0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Why have many Christian denominations rejected the idea that animals, including our dogs and cats, have souls that go on after they die? Will we get to reunite with our cherished pets in the afterlife? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. One of the great sorrows in many of our lives is the fact that most of the pets we come to love and cherish, most often dogs and cats, have short lifespans relative to our own. This means we suffer their loss, even when they live to the ripe old age of 19 or 20, just as we would for any other member of our family circle. The writer William Saroyan noted, Everybody has to die, but I have always believed an exception would be made in my case. And we often hope, against hope, the same exception might be made for our beloved cat or dog as well. Our guest on NDE Radio today is Linda Anderson. Linda has devoted decades to collecting extraordinary true stories from around the world about the spiritual connections between people and animals. She's been featured in National Wire Service articles, newspapers, and magazines as well as USA Today, The Washington Post, NPR, and uh, The Today Show. She's done hundreds of interviews, including an hour-long radio segment in which Shirley McLean interviewed her about spiritual experiences with cats. Linda is a New York Times best-selling author, two-time winner of the American Society of Journalists and Authors Outstanding Book Awards, and recipient of the Governor's Award for Contributions as an Author to the State of Minnesota. She's a member of the Ekincar Clergy and author of the book, 35 Golden Keys to Who, we- Who You Are and Why You're Here. She's been a speaker and presenter on numerous spiritual topics, including out-of-body and near-death experiences, profound dreams, reincarnations, spiritual guides, and the levels of heaven. Her book tours have taken her to serve as keynote speaker at spiritual seminars throughout the United States and around the world Linda, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Hello, Lee.
0: How how are things in Minnesota?
1: Very good. We're having San Diego weather today.
0: (laughs) Uh, Linda, I thought we might begin uh, with your story about uh, the out-of-body experience that contributed to your amazing
1: career. Yes, uh, it's in my book, 35 Golden Keys to Who You Are and Why You're Here. and It was uh, a story that definitely helps me relate to people who have had near-death experiences, because for me it was similar to that. My I wasn't near death, and I wasn't dying, at least not uh, that I knew of, until after this experience, but um, I was having, a, I would call it an out-of-body experience, where I was awake, and uh, I wasn't dreaming, but I was out of my body, and um, this occurred when I, right after I had started a new job, and I was feeling very exhausted just one of those kind of uh, things where week after week I seemed to be getting uh, more fatigued and um, just not able to function, and I didn't know what was going on with me. I you know, went to see doctors, and nobody could figure out what was happening. And so uh, early on a Sunday morning I was uh, going to be giving a, a talk at uh, the Temple of Eck, which is the spiritual home of Eck in Carr. It was the first time I had spoken at a worship service at the temple, and I uh, woke up early, and uh, this experience happened. I found myself floating out of my body into an inner world, of, of in the inner worlds of heaven. And in this, uh, there was a room that I went to where hundreds of people were gathering. They were from all different eras in history. I could tell by the, the clothes they were wearing, and I felt this rush of joy because I recognized them instantly, even though my mind couldn't remember all of their names. And I realized that these were souls that I had spent previous lives with. And there was a friend there who, from this lifetime, um, and she was uh, in her spiritual body in this room, and she greeted me with a lot of love, but there was such sadness in her eyes. And as I stood and looked at all these souls, um, all these uh, that were, had gathered in the room, I asked her, "Am I dying?" And she had tears in her eyes, and she said, "Yes." So we held each other and cried and I said, you know, I'm not afraid to die. I know it's only the physical body that's going to go, but my husband and my children will grieve for me and I just feel like I have more spiritual work to do on earth. And just as I said that, a young man came to me and instinctively I recognized him as a spiritual master. He was just absolutely beautiful. His love, divine love just flowed from him. And I realized that I had studied with him the teachings of the light and sound of God um, in a previous lifetime. Well, this young man took my hand and he, he led me to an open door that led to a dark tunnel. And next to the tunnel, there was a bank of blue doors that formed a wall. So inwardly, I, he communicated to me that I was faced with a choice right then between life on earth or life in heaven and that he said that something was moving through my entire body that would result in my death. So I walked, uh, he said, if I walked through this open door, I'd enter the tunnel, and this would lead me to heaven, and I would continue to help to serve spiritually um, from the heavenly world. But all of a sudden I thought, of course, of my husband and my children and my friends and my pets, and, and this surge of love, welled up inside of me it was for them but it was also something more and with all my heart i said i want to serve god well as soon as i said that the young man folded the blue doors over the entrance to the tunnel and immediately i was back in my physical body at home Mm. tears were just streaming down my face and i sort of felt a little amused also because i felt like i had just been to my own funeral and I had gotten a, uh, a taste of what that would be like, But because of my desire to give service to God and to life, uh, this had been averted. I had uh, changed. So about a month later, a friend introduced me to a new doctor, and he diagnosed me with a, a blood infection that was invading my whole body. And if it went untreated, it would be life-threatening. So uh, after a month of the treatments with this doctor, um, all of the symptoms went away, the fatigue went away, and my energy returned. And just as kind of like a you know, way to verify that this really had happened this way and you know, give me some validation, uh, r- sir- shortly after that, um, this woman, I met this woman someplace, and she said she was a palm reader. And I had never met anybody who read palms before, but before I could even think about it, she grabbed my hand. And she looked up at me and she uh, said, how old are you? And I said, 47. And she said, well, you're supposed to be dead by now. (laughs) (laughs) And she showed me a center line that ran from the end to the middle of my palm. And she said that this was the lifeline and that I was meant to live till midlife. Hmm. Then she said, um, she looked at my palm again and she pointed out a second lifeline. And she said, I've never seen anything like this and it ran parallel to the central one that was supposed to end at midlife, went across my palm to the end of my hand, and she said, this line predicts a long life ahead. And I thought wow. good! <laughs>
2: because <laughs> I, that was
1: what I wanted, was to be a conscious vehicle for God's love in this world.
0: would have been interesting to see if she had read your palm before your out-of-body experience, whether that second line would have been there yet or not.
1: What a great observation. <laughs> yes, that would have been quite interesting.
0: Public Broadcasting uh, announced the other day um, that a new word has been added to with the British dictionary, and that word is fur baby. Uh, we do love our pets as almost like children, and they seem to love us r- in return. Do you suppose this transference from raising babies is... Uh, which is implied in this fur baby term uh is is what's going on here or does uh does the love between uh between us and our pets uh stand on its own
1: you know I, it really does i mean there was a time uh you know probably a couple of generations ago where pets didn't stay indoors they were outdoors most almost all the time and they weren't members of the family but now they are and uh Many people do feel parental towards their pets and think of them as their fur babies. And I'm really glad to hear that's in the dictionary
2: now. <laughs>
1: that's really good. I, you know, I have a story I wanted to share that, that goes along with that, um, and I think it, it, it gets right to our theme of, of animals and the, the afterlife. Um, this is a story from a really wonderful book that I love very much. It's called Spiritual Wisdom on Life After Death by Harold Klemp. And um,
2: okay.
1: so this in, in this story, there's a very uh, old dog named Zeke, and uh, this man Zeke was his special friend. Zeke was 14 and a half years old, and he was diagnosed with cancer. And of course, as you know, as you were talking about when you were doing the opening, uh, this you know the loss of a pet and all this sort of thing it's just like oh boy, we, do we wish that didn't have to happen. So, finally, to, uh, Zeke was in so much pain and so near death that the, the man took him back to the vet, and Zeke died in the man's arms. Well, when Zeke le- left his body, the man was able to feel this sense that the, the the soul had just leapt out of that tired old body. And while he was driving home, um, uh, the man's spiritual eye opened, and he saw uh, an ek master named Prajapati, who His special job is to help animals and to take care of animals. And um, Prajapati stood on a hill near a tree, and uh, there was a stream of this golden, bright sunlight behind him. And then the man saw this beautiful ball of light, and he knew that this was Zeke, his soul, in his soul body. And Zeke was just so full of joy. He was out of that pain-filled body. And in a telepathic voice, he said, Daddy, I'm free. The fur baby, right?
0: (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) And he says,
1: Daddy, I'm free. Thank you for all the love.
0: Oh, that's um, wonderful.
1: Isn't that just wonderful? And so you know, this was such a wonderful confirmation that this isn't the end and that uh, soul is eternal for humans and for animals.
0: Yes. One of the most touching interviews I've done on this program was with um, a woman named Cheryl Lee Black when she and her dog died in a terrible accident. She saw her dog again and described it as light manifesting itself as dog.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh which is a terrific uh, um, explanation, I think, for what's going on there. Do you, do you think we'll understand the nature of God's light in our animals uh, only when we cross over? Or can we understand it here?
1: I, I think that we understand it here because... Um, as you mentioned, when you are reading my bio, uh, uh, my husband, Alan, and I, we've collected literally thousands of stories from all over the world, and our theme has always been a spiritual connection between people and animals. And one of the stories that we collected was from a woman named Debbie in Washington, and she had a near-death experience. Uh, she actually had, was in such depression and such terrible emotional and physical pain that she Tried to commit suicide. And when she did that, she came, she had a near death experience. And in that experience, she met a spiritual being uh, who told her, you know, as as happens many times in these experiences, that it wasn't her time to go. This spiritual being was standing, keeping her from going into that uh, tunnel and going all the way over to the other side. So when he turned her around to go back to her life on earth, she saw her cat, Missy, at the end of the tunnel, at the other end of the tunnel, basically beckoning her to come back to life. And so she came back to her body and she realized she had all of these realizations that people have with near death that they, that uh, it's only their physical body, that life goes on, that there's so much more for them to experience, and that it's all about, it's all about love and she was letting go of all the pain that had caused her to become suicidal, and she was forgiving herself. So Missy uh, went with her through all of this recovery and healing that she was going through, and then Missy died, and she just missed the cat so much. One day shortly after Missy died, uh, Debbie was in her car. She was sitting in a traffic light, and all of a sudden she could hear Missy purring. And she turned around and looked, and here was this apparition, Missy, appearing on the seat next to her in the car. Wow. Because she took the time, you know, of course, and was so shocked to see her, she stayed at the stoplight. Had she moved on, there was a drunk driver that had run the red light, and had she was first in line. So had she gone through the stoplight at that time, the driver would have hit her car and probably have killed her as going that fast. So that is an answer to your question. People are having these spiritual experiences with animals who are in the afterlife, and in their near-death experiences, they are seeing animals, and they are realizing that this spiritual connection is real.
0: This reminds me so much of a story that I could tell you. Uh, A couple of years ago, one of the conferences we were attending, uh, a man came in, sat down, I was... Chairing a panel discussion at uh, the IONS conference, and he, he started asking questions about near-death experience. And he said, uh, "You know, I don't believe in this, but I've gotten a contract to write a book about it from my publisher, and so I want to know about it." And I said, um, well, "You know, if you haven't had one and you're not, if you and you've never read much about it, should you really be writing a book about it?" And he, but he pers- persisted. So I said, "Well." You've never had a near-death experience, okay? But has anything ever happened to you that you, you couldn't really explain? And after his say denying it and saying no for a while, suddenly it occurred to him that he'd had this dog that he really loved. This dog had uh, uh, traveled with him. He, he'd drive down to Florida in the winter time, and the dog was, you know, his his real companion. And then the dog died. Well, he's he's driving down to Florida this next year, and um, he was falling asleep at the wheel. And he said, and and the car was going off toward an embankment, and all of a sudden he heard his dog bark, same bark that he'd always known was his dog, woke him up and saved his life.
1: Mm. Beautiful.
0: So I said, the "Well, skeptic. take that story. <laughs> take that story. Keep that in mind as you're writing your book, and you'll begin to understand what's going on here."
1: Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. honestly, you know, one of the things I'm going to talk about in my talk at the at the IONS conference is that, you know, the skeptical mind uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. it
1: really can do a number on you. And but if you can let yourself have ex- those kind of experiences and remember, just as you ha- help the man to recall his experience. Remember the experiences you have with animals. Animals really open us up spiritually because they open our hearts. And if you talk to anybody who's had a near death or out of body experience, the major thing that they come away with is the love. Well, animals are masters of unconditional love. And when once you start to have those kind of experiences with unconditional love with animals, your heart begins to open and it starts to heal and calm your skeptical mind, and all of a sudden, there's possibilities. There's things that you never, that your mind could never comprehend, that your mind never thought could happen, and yet, indeed, they happen.
0: Mm. As an Ekkincar clergy person, um, you probably believe in reincarnation. Uh, do you think the souls of animals also reincarnate and? Can they reincarnate as people?
1: You know, the, yes. The answer is yes to both of them, and I've actually had the experience of of a cat uh, who reincarnated uh, and uh, into my family, and it was just amazing. This cat came back as a kitten. I was uh, I was uh, taking a nap one afternoon. I woke up. I don't remember what I was dreaming. I jumped out of bed and I said to my husband, we've got to get to the animal shelter right now.
2: (laughs) Unfortunately,
1: (laughs) my husband is used to me being like this. (laughs) And so he said, okay, okay. So we hurried over to the animal. We weren't intending to get a kitten, but we hurried over to the animal shelter and found this little kitten. And he was about to be adopted by somebody else. And then they said, oh, no, he doesn't like kids. Well, this cat that we had had before, Mugsy, did not like kids. So uh, anyway, I just I looked in his eyes and I said, "Oh my gosh, Mugsy is back! It really looks like this is Mugsy." Anyway, mm-hmm. so we wound up bringing the uh, the kitten home, and Mugsy had certain places in the house that he liked, and they were obscure. They were, you know, like we have a house with a lot of windows. He had one window that was his favorite window. He had one chair. That was upstairs. That was his favorite rocking chair, his favorite chair. Well, this little kitten could barely walk. She was so tiny, and she jumped out of my arms when I brought her home, and immediately she just very painstakingly because she was really had tiny legs. Uh, went up the stairs, and she went right to that window. She went. Then she went right to that chair. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, okay, Muggsy, you're back.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: she
0: came home. She came home. Wow. Well, do, you, do you suppose the ghosts of uh, recently deceased pets uh, stick around with the, in the house, you know, or uh, do they ever uh, sort of join up with a new pet you might get?
1: You know, we have had many, many stories from people, and we have them, uh, you know, of, of something similar to what you're talking about, the most common thing we hear from people, of course, the most common thing we, we hear from people is they write to us and say, you're going to think we're crazy. <laughs>
2: <And> <laughs> yes. We always write back and
1: say, no, we don't. <laughs> we don't think that. The, the second most common thing is they say, we, it feels like this previous animal, uh, that soul, helped to find this new one, and because mm. this new one seems to just know what to do. It seems to know what our, our uh, attitudes are, what our habits and our uh, likes and dislikes are and just fits right into this family in a way that you could never imagine a new pet fitting in. And so that is very something that, that happens quite regularly. My husband, Alan, had an experience where this dog that, oh my goodness, he just loved this dog so much, and uh, when this dog died, uh, he really missed her terribly and he had a very deep dream one night before we were going to go out to look at a litter of puppies, puppies to see if we were going to adopt a new one. And in this dream, the dog brought this puppy out of the, out of an ocean, this beautiful ocean, and dropped the puppy at his feet. And he looked into this puppy's eyes and said, okay, I guess you're the one. So we went to look at this litter of puppies, and sure enough, there's this little puppy comes over and looks just exactly like the one he saw in his dream, and out of all the puppies there, this little puppy comes over and un- unties his shoelace.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like you—if you ha- you're sensitive and you really start paying attention, life gives you a whole lot of messages.
0: Wow, what do you have a favorite story about uh, uh, the afterlife and animals?
1: You know, I, I have so many favorites, like, who's your favorite child, but, uh, but <laughs> there's one that I love very much, and I like to tell it because so many people love horses, and they, you know, have a really deep bond with horses. This one just is a beautiful example of continuity of life. Uh, a woman named Barbara from Manitoba, uh, she had a very emotional and spiritual relationship with her horse Cherokee, and... um Cherokee became ill and disabled, and she had realized that she had to let him go. And this happened in the spring, and she loved this horse so much. She lived on a big uh, farm, ranch type of thing, and she named a section of her land Cherokee Hill. Well, um, she wondered if Cherokee was okay, as we all do when uh, an animal passes. We all wonder, you know, is this animal okay? And in the winter of that same year, she put on her snowshoes, and it was very deep snow, and she took a walk on a trail that they had through their property, through the deep snow. All of a sudden, she hears this bird chirping in the middle of this frigid winter, out in this landscape with no trees, nothing, just this bird chirping. And uh, she looks up, and it turns out it's a chickadee. Well, this mm-hmm. little bird flew in front of her and, and uh, broke away from the trail, and the bird stopped three different times, waiting for her to follow him. And she just felt like she was being led somewhere. So they got near Cherokee Hill, and the bird almost landed on her shoulder and was just singing insistently and trying to tell her something. And she was so excited when she got home. She was just telling everybody about this bird, but she was really puzzled. Well, the next day she went on a walk with her friend, and she de- they decided to go to the last spot where the bird had led her. And she looked down, and there was a bird's nest in the middle of the field, no trees around, and uh, she picked it up and put it in her backpack. Went back home, took a closer look, and interwoven in this bird's nest was, was the horse hairs from Cherokee. Cherokee wow. had distinctive golden blonde hair and from on his mane and tail, and it was unlike any other horse that she had. And she realized that this bird, that was Cherokee's way of delivering her a message, and she said the message was, he isn't really gone, he's only taken wings.
0: Very nice. As a chaplain, I hear near-death experience stories, and uh, I may have told this on the air before, but I'll t- tell you. Um, there was this man who's, who uh, I asked, whenever somebody codes in the hospital, I ask them if they saw anything on the other side. He said, yes, he said, I had this dog that I loved so much, and it had died three months before. He said as I was having my heart attack, his massive heart attack, he said, I was able to dial 911, and I hit the ground, and I felt my soul leaving my body. And as I left my body, he said, there was this dog, my dog, waiting for me. He said, and I and I was so happy, and I reached out to pick him up, but just then they hit me with the paddles
2: <laughs>
0: and uh, it shocked me back into my body, so I never got to pick him up, but he was... He was delighted to think that his dog was going to be there waiting for him when he did die.
1: Oh, Lee, thank you for sharing that. You know, that means so much coming from you, especially being a hospital chaplain and um, someone who I'm sure is just deeply respected and loved uh, and gives so much service. And for you to share a story like that with the listeners is just wonderful because it's so validating. Hmm.
0: Linda, do you suppose... Uh, I open the show with a question about why uh, some Christ- Christian denominations refuse to think of animals as having souls. I'm not sure it's altogether biblical. I think maybe instead it's it's uh, a fear that people will not want to join the, their church because they're advocating uh, vegetarianism. Because how how could you uh, su- subscribe to killing an animal if you if you know intrinsically that it's that it's uh, you know, a living, a living being just like yourself with an eternal life.
1: You know, that's a good question, and I think you're probably right about that. That being an issue, um, a couple of things I want to say. One is that in the teachings of Eckankar, they look at it a little differently, and in a way, it really helped me to understand. Uh, you know, why you can look at animals as spiritual beings, and it, it's the, the one of the tenets is that. You don't have a soul. You are soul. You are not your physical body. Your physical body is a vehicle that is in use to this soul to gain experience, to learn about life, to learn about love. And so consequently, it's not, you're not killing the soul. You don't ever kill the soul. The soul never dies. And so when you look at it that way, you understand that we, we really are all connected, that we are soul. We are in the body of God, so to speak. And as soul, we, we don't die. It's just our physical body that, regardless of how the physical body dies. Now, of course, you want, in, in the terms of animals, you want the animal to be treated humanely and, you know, not have any uh, undue pain or suffering more than needs to be or anything like that. But it is a physical body, just like your physical body will die and fade away but you as soul live on. So that's one thing. And another thing that I do, and I just want to say this to your listeners, because this has come up many, many times. When people call us and they email us, and so we talk about it uh, with them, we, uh, when they have that question, their church teaches that they won't see their animals in heaven, and yet they believe that they will. They believe that that soul has lived on. And so what we tell them is that if that church or religion brings you comfort in other ways, and this is meeting your spiritual needs in other ways. You know, for so many religions, this is not a big, huge doctrinal part, point. You can agree mm. to disagree on this point.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, you can still... You know, Some people say they, they just won't go back to that congregation again because people say things to them that are so hurtful that, you know, yes. they trying to tell them that they'll never see their animal again and that they shouldn't be grieving like that so you know choose a different congregation if you need to do that but you know take a look at it in the context of the whole of the whole set of teachings and see whether or not that religion and those teachings are fitting your spiritual needs and then like i said agree to disagree on that one point
0: that's that's a terrific answer linda linda we're unfortunately out of time um how can listeners find out more about your books and research into the spiritual life of animals?
1: Well, uh, one of the best places to go, especially for people who have had near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences, if you're looking for validation of your spiritual experiences, is eckankar.org. that's e-c-k-a-n-k-a-r. dot o-r-g, and uh, you can click on the book section if you want to and look at all the different books that are available and just kind of browse through the website and just kind of get an idea about you know, uh, some of the things that are out there that may- maybe are a bit beyond what you've seen before, uh, mm. but there might be bits and pieces of it that just fit perfectly for you and really give you a lot of comfort and a lot of hope.
0: And I imagine your books are there as well.
1: Uh, 35 Golden Keys to Who You Are and Why You're Here is there, yes.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Well, thanks, Linda. Uh, thank you uh To Linda Anderson today for sharing her story uh, and for her fascinating research into the souls of animals. I hope you'll be able to come meet and talk with her at the upcoming IONS conference this weekend in San Antonio. If you would like to listen to the show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IONS, please check that website at nds.org. .org. there will be information on that site about the Labor Day weekend conference. And uh, Linda's going to be there, and I look forward to seeing you there as well. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.